today we're going to continue uh, talking from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and teaching them all sorts of things and remember that Paul is writing in response to letters communication that's been sent to him and he has some issues with the church in Corinth and we've looked at many of those over the last few months so today we get on to his uh, teaching around spiritual gifts and so let's read 1 Corinthians 12 uh, verses 1 to 11. Now about spiritual gifts, uh, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore I tell you, let no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one who says Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Father, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. We thank you that this is living and active. Thank you that this has an effect in our lives as we hear it. It changes us. And we pray, teach us, Lord, as we approach your word now. Holy Spirit, come and enlighten us with what this is about. Help us to focus in on the things that, uh, that you would speak to us individually and as a church together. Amen. So Paul is concerned that the Corinthians are kind of unprepared for spiritual gifts. And he gives a reason for that. He says, he says listen, uh, you, you've spent your lives going to pagan temples. And those idols that you worshipped in those temples were mute. In other words, they didn't speak. So you, you, you're kind of used to there being gods, <laughs> but you're used to gods who are mute and ignorant. Uh, there's, there's, there are no gods at all. Now, the contrast, of course, of the God of heaven, of the God who is Jesus, and that Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit, of course, is that God does speak. He speaks into our world, and He speaks through His Word and by His Spirit. So this is a this is a step change. This is different. So Paul's saying it's not like it's not like the, you, what you're used to. This is a different thing, and I want, I want you to be ignorant of what uh, God is doing and how God works. Now we need to hear this appeal, but of course this appeal is not our problem in 21st century Bristol. I'm, I'm just guessing, but I, I wouldn't imagine that most of us have a problem with spiritual gifts because we've been hanging out in pagan temples for most of our lives. That's simply not where we're coming from. That's not our problem. So probably if Paul wrote to us in City Church here in Bristol, he would say, um, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts because I know that you've grown up with materialism as your cultural backdrop. And that is probably our major problem. That's our issue, not the pagan temple thing, but the fact that we have been taught materialism. Now, what is materialism? Some of you will know instantly. Some of you will be wondering what on earth is Andy talking about. But materialism is a theory that physical matter is the fundamental reality, in fact, the only reality that there is. 
In other words, that, that all being and processes and phenomena can be explained as manifestations or the results of matter. That's a dictionary definition, actually. So matter is everything. Stuff that you can touch and see and hear, your senses are telling you, that's all there is. In other words, there is no spiritual world. All of that is just pipe dreams, nothing, myth. That's what we are taught, that's what our schools teach us. You don't have lessons on spiritual things in schools, uh, mostly at least. The universities don't teach on it, you can't, you know, that. well, you probably can do a degree in it now, but that's not been our tradition. That's not where we've come from, that's not how the UK works, that's not how our government functions. Um, and so that's our issue. So their problem was that they worship gods who they didn't expect to speak. Our issue is that we've been embedded in a lifetime of materialism. And so when suddenly we're in a spiritual realm and spiritual things are happening around us, we respond in a way in accordance with that as our background. And, and our response could be, well, it could be three things. Our response could be alarm. It could be, oh, I've not seen anything like this. I don't have a category for what I'm seeing. And that can be alarming for us. Or it can be skepticism. In other words, this isn't real. These people are making this up, or this is a trick of some kind. Or possibly we have had some minor experiences with spiritual things before, and then our response can be one of, of fear. We can be equally alarmed, but we're, we're fearful. And maybe it's a combination of all those things that we feel suddenly when the Holy Spirit is doing some things that we are observing. And what Paul is doing is teaching in order to bring a Christ-centered understanding of spiritual gifts. And why is he even bothering? Well, he, he absolutely believes and he's teaching that these are vitally important for strengthening God's church. And we need to hear that. And so we need to respond and overcome some of the challenges of our history and our own uh, experiences in order to enjoy the things that God is giving. Now, Paul gives uh, surprisingly little by way of a checklist to discern uh, these gifts. <laughs> and for those who are a bit alarmed, we probably want a bit more, because what Paul says is, therefore I tell you, in verse 3, um, no one uh, speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one saying can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Um, and just a bit of a background here, um, the practice probably entering a pagan temple would be to vocally acknowledge the, the incumbent deity, you know, you'd walk into the temple and you'd say something about whatever deity was on display. And actually the believers probably did something a little bit similar, I'm not copying them, but what they said was, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now we need to also acknowledge it's possible to say Jesus is Lord and not mean it and not live it, um, but that's probably uh, not what Paul is thinking. What Paul is saying is, look, Look, if Jesus is the centre of your life, if you're pursuing him, then these gifts are for you. But let's just, uh, for those who are still a little bit uh, concerned, let's just look at something that Jesus said in Luke 11. In Luke 11, Jesus is teaching on prayer and he gives this incredible teaching around the Lord's Prayer. And then a little bit later on, just a few verses later, he says this in verse 9 of Luke 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, 
If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Brothers and sisters, we have a good and powerful spiritual father. God is spirit. It says that in John 4. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. But when we acknowledge him and seek him and ask him for his spirit, we can be confident, according to Jesus' words, that this is what we will receive. This is what he says. He says, look, you, you know how to be fathers. You know, you know how to be, look, you're, you're evil, he's saying. You know, he's saying you, you, but, but you know how to be good fathers. You don't give your son a scorpion if he asks for an egg. Now, when you come to your heavenly Father asking for the Holy Spirit, asking for blessing, asking for gifts, you can be confident that that is what he will give you. Now, just a, a little aside, we, we need to be gentle with those who find this journey challenging. We need to be helpful. We need to explain clearly. We need to uh, help people on that journey together. So let's just remember that. Now, the next thing he says in, in verse seven, seven is this, that these gifts are for the common good. And this may well be Paul's main point. If you take into account the rest of the letter uh, to the Corinthians, the fact that these gifts are not just for the individual or not for a small group or not for the wealthy or <laughs> not for the well-connected, they are for the common good. This may be part of what he's saying throughout the whole letter. He said, these gifts are for everybody. Now, all that God gives, or almost everything that God gives, is like this. These gifts are not for yourselves only. These gifts are not so that you would be glorified, not that you'd become the center of attention. It's not to make a name for yourself. It's not that you would have a ministry or that you would get rich from it. Now, some of those things might happen as a, you know, as a, a result, but, but this is not what it's for primarily. No, they are for the common good. It's for the blessing of everyone. <laughs> Sounds a bit socialist, doesn't it, actually? <laughs> God's desire is to bless and build up all of his people, his children, his family. And, and he, he loves to do that. He graciously includes us in that, in that outpouring of his blessing. And he gifts, gifts us accordingly so that we can be part of blessing other people. And, and he wants us to pass those gifts on, to use those gifts to bless others. Now, maybe the easiest way to understand this would be uh, imagine not a spiritual gift, but a financial gift. So here I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm loaded. Just imagine that. That's well, not true, but imagine that. I'm absolutely loaded. Uh, and my sister over here is, is, is in real financial struggle. So I'm sitting here dripping with wealth, and she's struggling, and I don't help her. Um, I'm my, my actual sister, <laughs> I'm not talking just about um, uh, spiritual uh, brothers and sisters right now. And what would... You know, what would the observers say of something like that? Say, that's appalling. How, call yourself a brother. How, how can you not help her? Look how much you've got. She needs some help. And rightly so. Appalling behavior. Now, now imagine, please, that, that these gifts are not financial but spiritual. Imagine that your gift maybe is to encourage people. And, I, and, and now I see my sister, now I am talking about a sister in the church now, struggling with discouragement challenging over jobs or relationships or situations all kinds of stuff how you know all sorts of things could be the but I don't help her and yet I have the gift that she needs 
the same applies really is with the finance, isn't it? Well, what about if God has made me wise? That God's given me that gift of wisdom. But I don't share it with people who don't know what to do next. The same thing applies. These gifts are for the common good. They're so that we can be family, so that we recognise our need for one another. And that's why one person won't have all the gifts, because I have a need and I need you. And, and, and the gift that I need is in you that God's given. And, and, and I have a gift that you need. And therefore we need each other. And Paul will go on to talk about that being like a body, each part needing each other parts to function correctly. Okay, what about this list of gifts then? Because this is kind of what this passage is leading up to. Um, just to say too, that this is not an exhaustive list of, of, of gifts of the Spirit. There are other lists and other parts of the New Testament and there are other gifts that don't seem to fit into any of these character categories. There are also clearly overlaps in these giftings as well. So just bear all that in mind as we read uh, from verse 8 to 11. Now to one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these things are the work of the one and same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So Paul is saying, look, here's, here's some of these gifts. And he's just listed nine gifts. As I said, there are overlaps. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there are some that he hasn't mentioned right here. There's a gift of administration. There are all sorts of other gifts. But these are God-given abilities by the Spirit. Supernatural, you might say. Um, and God's believers receive these things so the church can be strengthened, so the gospel can be preached, so the kingdom can extend. So let's look at each one. We'll try and do it fairly briefly, um, and it might help us. And as, you, as we're doing this, why don't you think and be prayerful about what is it god that you have or are or will give me from this list and maybe from the others that we won't mention today what is it that you're giving me how are you blessing me that i would be a blessing to other people where what's my part in this incredible journey of spiritual blessing the first one on the list then is wisdom uh, so he says that uh, right at the beginning there doesn't he um to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Now this is probably a supernatural ability to deal with complex problems. Now we see in the Old Testament Solomon asked for this gift and had uh, God gave him this, graciously gave him this gift. We know that the Bible also says this, if anyone lacks wisdom he just has to ask and God will graciously give wisdom to them. But we see it particularly in Jesus, don't we? Jesus especially when the Pharisees tried to trick him. They constantly tried to catch him out. They didn't like the fact he was popular and powerful. Uh, they, they felt that he was taking the, the, uh, the focus away from them. Um, and so they, they'd try and catch him out. They tried to catch him out around marriage. They tried to catch him out when, remember the women caught in adultery? Um, the, notably, they didn't care about the people who were involved in their little, in their little kind of catch-out games. Uh, particularly this, this poor dear woman, but Jesus with incredible wisdom that leaves your jaw dropped. Just like, oh, how, wow. Do you remember the taxes, the, the temple taxes that, you know, uh, that they, they, they brought out and said, who, you know, the, the Caesar's head is on this, 
you know, do you do you pay taxes? And you know, Caesar was claimed to be a god, and so would, you know, what's Jesus going to say about all of this? And Jesus says, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's." <laughs> and answer that, they just all oh, they, they knew they they knew they had been outmaneuvered by what by a spiritual gift of wisdom. Some people carry that gift. It's a wonderful gift, actually. It can be so helpful to unlock complex situations. Secondly, and this is a bit of a two-parter, I think, is this a message of knowledge? Now, one part of this is something that we would probably understand. A spirit-inspired ability to communicate complex theological ideas clearly. Uh, If you have this gift, people might say to you things like, oh, I've never heard it explained like that before. Or, oh, now I understand. That's the kind of thing. And what they're saying is that they're recognising a spiritual gift of knowledge. You, you, you understand things well. You understand particularly spiritual things, biblical things, theological things. You get them and you can communicate them clearly. But also there's a second part to this one. And that's what some would call, and we might call, a, a word of knowledge. In other words, a God-given insight into a particular situation. You know, we could say this a prophetic insight. In other words, something that you know that you couldn't have known unless God had spoken to you. Um, we see that, again, in Jesus' own ministry. We say with Nathaniel in John 1, where God is calling Nathaniel to follow him. And he, uh, he said to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel realises that Jesus is not saying, I physically saw you but I knew what you were doing this morning. I knew you were contemplating what to do with your life or something like that. And, and, and he gets up and says, you, I, you're God. And he follows him. And then remember the woman at the well, where Jesus is talking to a woman, uh, drawing water in the middle of the day. And he says to her, go and get your husband. Uh, and she says, uh, she says, I have no husband. And he says, yes, I know you don't. Uh, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Wow, this is a word of knowledge. God gave Jesus in that moment, by the Spirit, an insight into her situation that meant she realised that she was in a spiritual encounter moment. It changed her life. And that's what that gift can do sometimes. God sometimes does that. Sometimes as we're praying for people, for one another, we just, maybe we see a situation or sometimes God just whispers something to us. Is this true? It's good to check it out, not to be sort of all overconfident and kind of boomy prophetic about it. That's not a good way to do this. But it's a a great thing to happen, particularly evangelistically. If this happens evangelistically, just as it did there with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, broke open a whole town. And what did she say? She said, come, she said to the town, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Jesus didn't tell her everything she ever did. She just, he just told her a little bit about her, her sort of marriage situation but for her it was like wow how did you know God's here is basically what she was saying so that word of knowledge can be really amazing um, and a good one to seek really particularly in terms of evangelistic breakthrough so faith to another faith says Paul by the same Holy Spirit and what's this then this is the ability to make the impossible uh, or to take on the impossible and see it to completion simply because God says so. David defeats Goliath by faith. Joseph, Joseph's faith, his gift of faith, leads him to faithfulness under extreme pressure. Noah, by faith, builds an ark. 
even though there's no rain. <laughs> these are, these, these are, it doesn't seem to make sense and yet God calls people to do things. Sometimes the gift of faith it, it is needed in a situation that seems all locked up. There doesn't seem any way through for this family. It all seems shut down and the gift of faith can, they, they lift their heads, they're looking again at Jesus and it's a gift. It's not even like you say it like this or say it like that. It's simply a gift. It can come in all sorts of ways. It can crack open a situation and suddenly it feels like God's there and it felt like he was absent before. Now he, he wasn't absent but it felt that way and faith can draw people into a renewed experience of blessing and freedom. It can happen around buildings, it can happen around uh, businesses and all sorts of situations. That sense of, I, th I believe that God has spoken and I'm gonna act on it. I'm gonna act on his speaking even though it doesn't seem logical right now. There's all kinds of stories we could tell around that gift, but it's a, it's a wonderful gift in God's church, a needed gift, and some of you have that gift and you need to be exercising that, in other words, to be sharing that gift with those around you. The fourth one, gifts of healing. Now, we've, if you've been in our Life in the Spirit events, uh, this last one, then Chloe Swart did a fantastic job of just unpacking this gift of healing. For some people, when they pray for people, they get healed. <laughs> when they command healing over people, they get healed, just like Jesus did. Jesus healed people all the time. In some places it said he healed everyone who came to him, who was sick. An incredible thing. And what a blessing. Now we don't see that as nearly as much as we would like to. And sometimes we, we shy away from this and, and you, some of you will know that you've experienced that in your, in your Christian walk, that you have prayed for people and seen them healed. And then sometimes, I know what happens, is sometimes you think years later, it's like someone says, oh, but you have prayed for people and you've seen them healed. You're like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have. And it's just, you've just kind of forgotten a bit about it. It's gone on the back burner a bit. I want to encourage you to pray at every opportunity for people to be healed. Because when God does heal people, it is such a blessing. It's such a wonderful thing. Uh, both for the person, of course, but also for God's glory. Uh, the fifth one, miraculous powers. Now, don't think superhero here. It's easy to... Think of all the Marvel films, and it's just like miraculous powers. Yeah, I want to fly or something. No, that's not really what the Bible is talking about. In fact, not at all. But rather think things like the multiplication of food. That's a miraculous power, isn't it? Or, or, or Solomon or uh, Samson, rather, uh, with his with his incredible strength, breaking down a temple and destroying the Philistine uh, leadership in a moment. Um. It's a spiritual gift to see something happen that is completely supernatural. Um, again, I suppose miraculous powers would have to cover all the gifts, and that's where we talk about overlaps. You know, a gift of faith can be miraculous. A gift of healing is a miraculous power. These are, these are all miracles. Um, just to say, I think twice in my life I've seen God multiply food miraculously. Um, and it's just... It, it's both incredibly ordinary because suddenly there's there's just enough and there you know there wasn't enough um just just one one time we were working in a uh, in a township in south africa and we were doing a kids club we used to do lots of kids clubs 
and we had planned for about 300 children to come and we were going to feed 300 children. So there was enough food for 300 and that was the plan. All the plans were around 300 children. A thousand children came, a thousand, 700 more than we had planned to feed. Every one of them got food. All of them did. And it was, it was chaos. It would be very hard to work out how it had worked. But at the end of it, there was still some food left and all of them had eaten. And those kind of kids, they wouldn't leave until they had eaten, trust me. It was miraculous. There was another time too when, when it happened. But those kind of things um, are miraculous powers. Um, some of the Old Testament prophets this happened to, Elisha sees a, a bunch of bears attack a rabble. Elijah sees fire fall from heaven to consume a sacrifice. Jesus walks on water, so does Peter. Jesus tells his disciples to fish and their taxes will be in the fish's mouth. All these kind of things uh, would come under that sort of head heading. Number six, uh, six of nine, uh, is prophecy. Now here we just need to be careful to distinguish between uh, prophets of the Bible, those who spoke scripture, which is now complete, and prophecy, prophecy that happens now and happened um, you know, in the churches in the New Testament, which is not new revelation about God, that was the Bible writer's job, but what it is, is it is a revelation about God uh, that comes um, for a specific uh, moment in a specific situation that just again opens up the situation. Often a prophetic contribution suddenly we feel the presence of God in a, in a very specific and particular way. This is what theologians call this prophetic gift. The gift of prophecy entails the communication of, of a message given by God as a response to and tailored to the special needs and issues of those gathered to hear it. So something very specific for this group of people. Sometimes I think when we hear preaching, it, it's prophetic. In other words, there's a, there's, there's a, sometimes we hear a preacher, it's like, well, that's great, oh, yeah, that's good. And sometimes we just sit afterwards and think, oh, I, think I've, I think God's spoken to me. And that can be prophetic. But these prophetic contributions can come in all sorts of ways. They can come in picture form. They can come it, 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 sung. They can come in all kinds of creativity, all sorts of ways that people contribute. So I've heard people write poems that are very prophetic. But they do, they bring glory to Jesus. They bring the, a sense of God's intimate and uh, immediacy with us. Um, and they help people to get close to God. And it's a wonderful gift. So please, if that is your gift, and many of you I know carry something of that gifting, pursue God more for it. Eagerly desire, Paul will go on to say later in this book, eagerly desire these gifts. The next one, the distinguishing between spirits, so a gift of discernment, we would probably call this. The ability to know, this is literally what it means, if someone is spiritual or not. Is this really God? <laughs> uh, to expose maybe charlatans, to protect the church from wolves, people who'd want to attack God's people and, um, yeah, maybe rip them off or something. Just want to say about this gift of discernment, um, my, my mum who's uh, died a few years ago, but she, she had this gift. She would just know. <laughs> um, no, she was, she was uh, in terms of being filled with the Spirit, she often struggled uh, just emotionally to connect, but she carried this spiritual gift, there's no doubt about it. Um, she just knew 
sometimes there's something wrong here. Something's not right. Sometimes it was an individual. Sometimes it was a situation. She just knew. And it was always worth just exploring that a bit more. And sometimes it takes other people to partner with this gift of discernment because the person carrying this gift, it ca can come across a bit negative sometimes. Because if you're discerning, this isn't God. <laughs> this particular way of doing things or this particular person wanting to take on this particular job or something, it's not right. Something's not right. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. It can be a hard one to carry. Um, and we need to help each other. So you probably need to partner with someone, maybe a pastor or something, who can then help you. Now, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to explore whether what you're experiencing, what you're feeling from God is real or not? It's a tough one, but an important one too. Now, these last two, I suppose, are the most more obvious ones. And these are the ones that Paul is particularly interested in in Corinth because it's the gift of tongues that's probably got a bit out of control in Corinth. And so Paul is going to give some specific instructions about speaking in tongues later in the letter. So he's, he's basically saying, look, the gift, this gift of tongues is a great gift, but it can sound a bit crazy if you're all doing it all together and there's guests with you and no one knows what's going on. And so he's give, he gives some instructions and he's going to talk about the interpretation of tongues in a moment. But tongues, so tongues is one of these obvious gifts. It's something that comes uh, to the believer often at the point where they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Not always. Didn't happen to me straight away when I was filled with the Spirit. It took a while, a few years actually, before I realised that God had gifted me to speak in tongues. But it's a God-given language that you didn't learn, primarily for your own worship. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, those who speak in tongues edify, build up themselves. I had a friend who was due to speak at a big Christian conference and he was scared, <laughs> he didn't know what to do. And he was, he, he was unsure about what the right message was going to be. He said to me, I went and spoke in tongues for an extended period of time and then I knew. Uh, God, through that period of, of worship in the spirit, um, just helped me, revealed to me, helped me understand this is the thing you need to speak on and that gave him confidence. He built, it built him up because he was communicating, as it were, spirit to spirit um, with God. Um, and of course it goes hand in hand with the interpretation of tongues. Now this is not the translation of tongues, this is, a, this is, this is an interpretation. So it's not a word for word translation of what the, uh, the person bringing the tongue has brought. But the, Paul is going to go on to say this, he said, you need, these two gifts have got to go together. If you're going to bring a public contribution which is a tongue, and he's kind of saying not, not everyone should be doing this, just a few maybe in your gatherings, but if that's going to happen, just check yourself, make sure there's somebody in the room who has the interpretation gift, otherwise the guests will wonder what on earth all this is about, and it's sometimes helpful to give a bit of an explanation as well, and often the person hosting the meeting uh, will help with that, and you might have experienced that with us over the years as well. Um, and, and this, of course, is the gift that was given at Pentecost. And as the disciples tumbled out of the upper room after the Holy Spirit had come, they spoke in all kinds of tongues. And people heard, actually, uh, the praises of God in their own language. And this is also part of this. Now, some of these gifts of tongues, I think, are angelic languages. In other words, they're a language that no one knows, uh, uh, certainly on the earth. But I've heard so many, many stories that really chime in with that. Pentecost moment where people speaking in tongues 
and there happens to be someone from a with a particular dialect in the room who says, how did they ever learn my language? Do you know what they were saying? <laughs> because I knew it word for word what was going on right here. And God powerfully is drawing worship from the individual in a language that they didn't learn. It's a great gift. It does go with the interpretation gift as well. Those two things really need to go together. So there's a, a list. It's not an exhaustive list. There are plenty of overlaps. I think there are parts of, the, parts of these gifts that we get right, and sometimes we don't get them quite right, and that's okay. It's okay not to be perfect every time. Um, but these are gifts that God has given for the strengthening of his church, to remind us that God is with us, the truth of it, the, the revelation. God is with us. And when people prophesy, when people speak in tongues and interpret, when we see healing happen, all sorts of these gifts, when these gifts are at work, when miracles happen, we, we are reminded. It's like a, oh, wake-up call. God's with us. It raises our faith. It strengthens our resolve to follow. It draws us together as a family, helps us to reach the, wor the world. And that's what we, what we need. And next week, we'll look at the details of what, what it means that these are for the common good. <laughs> what does it mean to be a body together and enjoy God's strength and presence? Father, I thank you for these gifts. I thank you for this teaching. Oh, Lord, we want to be a church that is full of these gifts. And Lord, we, you know our background. You know our history. Lord, you know what we've been taught throughout our lives, that, that material things are all that there is. And yet, Lord, we want to hear Paul's teaching and we want you, Spirit of God, to help us to realise, yes, there's a whole spiritual world, a real world of the Spirit that we are invited to be part of and that you are God of all of it. And now help us, Lord Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.